Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Dan Carson. I'm the director of Student Ministry Matters. And on today's podcast, I have with me my co-host, Zach Lee. Say hi, Zach. Hey, everybody. And, well, we also have somebody who is pretty special to me. Uh, my seminary, where I received my Master of Arts in Religion, it's the Baptist Missionary Association of Our America Theological Seminary. Big, long name. And uh, perhaps Dr. Atterbury can talk about that, but it's Dr. Philip Atterbury. Dr. Atterbury, thank you for being on the program with us. Thanks for inviting me. On today's podcast, we want to talk about continuing education and, and how that works with those that are in student ministry. I feel like this is a very important area. It's easy for us to think that well, I'm just working with students. You know, I'm, I've got them outpaced. Uh, but we want to talk about that in depth, and we're going to do that. And so we'll get to that in just a moment. But, Zach, I want to talk to you. I haven't had a chance since Easter. How did Easter services go at, at Oak Park? It went good. It was a little bit different for me this year um, because me and my wife were on rotation for children's ministry. Um, so I'm typically, you know, behind, really behind the scenes and de- especially when I was on staff at Mother Church and, of course, my first year here, uh, doing a lot of things to prepare and get ready for Easter service and a part of the uh, Easter service. But this year is a little different having to uh, prepare a lesson and all kinds of different things for the, the young ones. But it was it was a lot of fun. We enjoyed it. Well, for so many years, I was also a worship pastor. And so Easter was a big, heavy day. And it's been weird for me for the past few years um, to not be as involved in that arena. But man, um, what a difference a year makes. I know that last year at that this time, we didn't have but 10 people in our whole building. We were live streaming our services on Facebook. And then all of a sudden, this Easter, we had almost back to pre-COVID numbers, <laughs> which was fantastic. Um, some of these people had not been able to come because of their age and health concerns, uh, but they came back. They saw that we were being as safe as we could, and it was just real exciting to have that. Now, we have taken that extra step. We still have our tape up for social distancing. We still have our face mask, and I know a lot of people have put those aside already. And wherever you fall in that conversation, it's you know it's up to you and your people. Um, but man, it was so good to see some of these people that I hadn't seen in well, a year. And that's just it's just craziness. But uh, that is different, Zach. I hadn't thought about that. If I wasn't involved in the music to actually end up in the, was it the nursery or the children's church? It was our um, kindergarten through fifth grade or third to fifth okay. grade. I think, I think, yeah, I think it was third to fifth grade. Those ages are kind of crazy. And, uh, <laughs> yes, sir. Well, Let's let's get to talking with Dr. Atterbury. Dr. Atterbury is um, he holds the position of dean at the BMA Theological Seminary. He's been with them for a number of years, and I'm just so happy that he is here on our program with us as we continue the conversation 
about student ministry. You know, there's another great school that we want to talk about. We talk about every time that we record. It's Central Baptist College of Conway. If you are a student ministry worker and looking for a place where you can continue your education in an online format or in person, uh, that is a fantastic place to go. Both Zach and I are graduates of Central Baptist College. But if you are in Texas, um, Dr. Atterbury is going to have some things that he can share about the BMA Theological Seminary as well. But if you need information about CBC, go to cbc.edu, contact them, set up a visit, whether it's on phone, uh, on the phone or it's a virtual visit, whatever you feel safest with, um, they will get you taken care of. We love those guys. Well, Dr. Atterbury, again, thank you for being on the program with us as we continue this conversation about student ministry. Probably one of the best things that you could do is if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and about your your current ministry, what's going on in your life. Well, again, it's good to be with you. And let me encourage anyone that is a student at CBC when they graduate to consider coming to uh, BMA Seminary and consider master's work. And that'd be a great combination. As you know, you experienced that. Back in uh, 2000, I became the dean at the seminary. I taught part-time five years prior to that. And uh, since then, been able to see hundreds and probably thousands of students come through and be a part of us, you know, there. Back when I was a college student, I began to consider seminary uh, myself. And I knew that I did not have to go to seminary. I was convinced the Holy Spirit could use me, put me anywhere, you know, that he wanted me to be and use me in any capacity. But two things really urged me. Uh, One was the book of Proverbs, the, the second chapter, the first five or six verses speak about the need to cry out for wisdom, uh, apply your heart like you were searching for a hidden treasure, uh, incline your mm. your voice to, to cry out. And, uh, well, I can just read a little bit of it. If, if you will receive my words and hide my commandments with you so that you incline your ear to wisdom, apply your heart to understanding, and if you cry after knowledge— and lift up your voice for understanding. That, to me, sounds like asking questions. And if you seek her as for silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And I remember reading that when I was trying to decide whether to come to seminary or not. And I thought, wow, that sure sounds like you know, seminary education. Being in a place where I can ask questions, I can cry out you know, and make a real effort for it. And so I had that on my mind, and and then I thought, you know, I know the Lord could put me in any ministry, you know, He wanted for me. There was a particular church that at the time was one of the larger and I would call better churches, you know, of the BMA particularly. And I remember thinking, I don't want the Lord to tell me, Philip, I would have put you in ministry at that church but you were not faithful to prepare yourself. And so those two things, that study from Proverbs, just looking at that, and then thinking about preparing for the ministry, it really encouraged me to go on and get an education. And I'm so grateful that Mm -hmm. I did, because the Lord was actually preparing me for things that I did not realize. I mean, at that moment, I would have never thought I'd be the dean. I would have never thought I would have pursued uh, further education, even beyond my Master of Divinity. You know, I just I didn't think I could do it. 
Right. I I know that um, you hold a, a doctorate of ministry as well as a PhD. Which one did you receive first? I got the D-Men first. It just seemed to be where the Lord wanted me to go. <laughs> I was eager to get a PhD sure. actually at the time. About halfway, th- yeah, you know, about halfway through my MDiv, I began to think that I could do a, a doctorate. I honestly, before, when I came to the seminary, I thought, okay, I'll get a master's. That's the most I will be able to do. I was questioning my own uh, ability, you know, to get anything more. But about halfway through, uh, my grades were were good. You know, for me, they were real good. And I thought more and more about I need to learn more. You know, I mean, it's one of those deals where the more you learn, the more you realize you need to learn. And and that's how it was with me. PhD programs just were not opening for me. I, I, apl- I applied or I inquired at several places and nobody really responded. And so then I sat back and I thought, well, who who has a, a D-man, who has a Ph.D. that's doing the ministry that I thought God would have me to do? And I thought that'd be pastoring. And uh, I thought, we well, you know, the D-men pastors are really doing the ministry that I want to do. And the Lord just opened that up for me to get that D-men. And then, you know, several years later, I still had the, the itch for further education and the Ph.D. opportunity came up. So I, I got that. Well, it's been a blessing to me to have gotten both of those. And I see how the Lord, you know, worked it out. And really, I remember one of our professors when I was a student at seminary mentioning maybe getting another doctorate. And he said he thought, well, I guess one's enough. And I actually laughed in class, <laughs> you know, I mean, out loud. And I, I was like, yeah, well, yeah, one's enough. Because at the time I was like, I'd been excited to have had one, but I'm grateful that the Lord gave me the opportunity to go on. And let me say this, you know, it's it was a matter really for me for a long time as I did not think that I was quite capable of doing it. You know, I mentioned that a moment ago, just did not feel like I had quite the intelligence uh, to do that. There is a measure of intelligence you have to have to earn a doctorate, that's for sure. But determination is a lot of it. You have to have a, a perseverance and determination for it. And I think that that applies, of course, to any higher education, whether it's bachelor, you know, associate bachelor, master's or doctorate. Dr. Atterbury, before we go into uh, any questions or anything like that, let's let's take a step back for our listeners so that they can know you a little bit better. Um, Would you mind sharing with us how you came to know Christ and how God called you to ministry? Yeah, that's those are two great questions. I appreciate that. Well, when I was young, uh, about six years old, actually, my parents were invited to go along with the uh, ABS chapter, Association of Baptist Students from then Southern State College. It's now Southern Arkansas University. They were asked to go with chaperones on a weekend retreat. And I was there, got to go along with them. And there was a fire, a campfire. People were around singing. This is college students. And it's interesting for me now to find out who some of the folks were that are there. Some of our BMA missionaries were there as college students. I've met some through the years. And I was throwing sticks in this fire. Just probably the first time I'd ever been near a campfire. And that's what a kid would do, throw sticks and leaves and things in the fire. And I picked up this one stick and I decided I'm going to watch this stick. I'm going to keep my eyes on this stick. When I throw it in the fire, I'm going to watch it burn. And so I did that. I threw that stick and I had my eyes just fixated on that stick as it was in that fire. 
And out of nowhere, the thought came to my mind, I wonder what it would be like to be in that fire and never able to get out. And it bothered me. I mean, I became very heavy weighted in my chest. It was just a burden. And I remember thinking, I need to do something with Jesus. And I'd been to church my whole life, but I had never realized that I needed to do something with Jesus. And I went and talked to my parents and and they helped me to understand, you know, what I needed to do with Jesus. And I remember them saying, you know, something about you need to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. They they recognized what was going on. And it was one of those kind of aha or or duh moments to me. I mean, I remember thinking that, yeah, yeah, I need to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins. And uh, I did that. And I've really never had a doubt about that. There was one moment when I was in ninth grade, I sort of had a doubt. I was like, I sure was young when that happened. But I thought just almost immediately, no, that that was still and still is very live memory for me you know, very fervent memory of, of that happening. And I was like, no, I, I know I knew what I was doing with that. And so that's when I got saved. Not long after that, a few years maybe in church on a Sunday night, our pastor was speaking about the crucifixion. I've often wondered, I don't remember, but I think it may have been near Easter, you know, and he was talking about the crucifixion and the things that Jesus suffered. And I remember particularly him talking about the nails going in Jesus' hands. And that for me was just incredible to think about, you know, nails going in your hand. That to me was the worst part of what happened to Jesus. And I mean, all of a sudden the thought came to my mind, I think the Lord wants me to be a preacher or a missionary. Those are the only two things I knew of that were ministry related. And I was pretty bothered by that because you know, I was just about nine years old, I think, when that happened. And uh, I remember actually, I, I think I was walking around bent over because there was such a weight in my chest. And my mother recognized something was not right. And she tried to get me to tell her what was wrong. And I was really kind of embarrassed about it. But she got me up in her lap finally and said, what's wrong? And I told her, I think the Lord wants me to be a preacher or a missionary. And when I said that, it was this whoosh of relief. I said, well, what, what am I supposed to do? And she told me, she said, well, Philip, just live the best Christian life you can. And later on, when you're older, if the Lord still wants you to be a preacher, he'll let you know. And that was perfect advice for me. It was, it satisfied me. It was good. When I was 16, I was at Daniel Springs Baptist Camp in Gary, Texas, and I had sung in the camp choir and was walking out of the building. And I thought, no, I'm not ready to give this up. You know, at the tabernacle, if you've been down there, it's I only had one wall at that time, and but I walked back in, and a lady that was there that I had known for just about my whole life, she said, Philip, I'm so glad to see you up there using your talents for the Lord and that kind of thing, and I was really moved by that. I mean, I, I really appreciated that, but as I was leaving the tabernacle just a few minutes later, the thought came to my mind that 16 is not too young to be a preacher. And my mother's words about, you know, later on, when you're older, if the Lord still wants you to be a preacher, he'll let you know. And that is when I really started thinking about that. I spent a year debating about it. I wasn't running from it. I just wanted to be sure. And um, a year later, back at Daniel Springs, I I did make it known that, yeah, I I feel like the Lord has called me to ministry. So that's kind of a long story, but I, I love to tell it because it's certainly how the Lord worked in my life. 
I love hearing that. The fact that you were nine years old and sensitive enough to hear and understand that that God was wanting something more. I'm not sure what I was doing when I was nine. I think at that point I just received Christ and was a real goofball. It wasn't thinking anything about <laughs> anything in those terms. And so that's just, it is so encouraging to hear that. You now are at the seminary. You've also served in a couple of other places, though. I know you were at the Association of Baptist Students, which was student ministry. It's student ministry with college-age students. You were there, I believe, for 10 years. Is that correct? That's right. Since that time, you've been working with a different type of student at the, the BMA Seminary, and I'm so thankful for your ministry there, uh, what it's meant to me personally um, during my time at at the, the seminary. Um, but more importantly, just how it's impacted lives all across our, you know, our own little tribe of, of Baptists. And so I'm so appreciative of that. Uh, we wanted to have you on here because we want to talk about, you know, that next step. A lot of student ministry workers that are out there working day in, day out with students, they may not be called to ministry in the same way that that you were or that I was um, but they are out there volunteering. They're working hard, doing those type of things. And so we want that's who we talk to. And that's who's listening to this, is those that are working with students. And we want to encourage them in ways that we can. And so we've got just a handful of questions we wanted to ask about, you know, that that higher education, that next thing that they should be doing. Zach, I think you had a couple. Yeah, Dan, I appreciate it. Personally, as a student that is not far removed from receiving my bachelor's at Central Baptist College, I remember coming into CBC and early on in my freshman and sophomore year thinking, when I get done with this, I'm done, right? Because as you come out of high school and you get done with senior year and you begin college, you're like, man, I got four more years and I'm done. I'm, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> but I remember as as time progressed and I got a little bit older and was in ministry, I began ministry my sophomore year in college. But as, as I began to do ministry and get into my junior and senior year, I began to feel this sense of longing that I needed more uh, and feeling like I had more room to grow in my education in ministry. And so my question for you, Dr. Atterbury, is there's I know of a lot of guys that that have that mentality when they go into college and they're pursuing their bachelor's in ministry. What would you say to those guys that feel like they have done enough um, and they don't need to pursue uh, anything further past a bachelor's? Well, that's a good question, and probably everyone would be different. Some, maybe that is enough. But I know for myself, I've needed more. When it comes to God's Word and God's work, it is really too vast to think that you know it all already or that you know enough. It's uh, good to get with folks who know more than you do or can get you to think about different perspectives. Obviously, you know more things than I know in certain areas, and, and I know more than you know, and that's just the nature of it. But it's good to have someone challenge you to study things you may not study otherwise. And a, a call to ministry, I know there are folks that, they're serving as student ministers. This is a kind of a classic thing where folks start out serving in student ministry. I did. Dan, I appreciate you recognizing that. I did that. But there may come a point in your life where the Lord moves you on beyond. Doesn't mean that 
student ministry is kind of like step one, and, and now you're advancing to step two, but just the progression of your life may be that God's through with you doing youth ministry and you're moving on. Regardless of the specific ministry that you do, there are some things you need to know. You need to know your Bible. You need to know theology and so forth. And you need to know ministry. And included in that, you, you need to know how to preach. Because even if you're a youth minister, you, you're going to do public speaking. You're going to be preaching or teaching in some capacity. You need to know how to make disciples. Mm-hmm. And you, you need to know some things about Christian education, like counseling. You need to know how to counsel folks and those type of things. And to be honest with you, I've never met anybody that knew all of, all they ever needed to know about all those subjects. And so I would encourage you really to consider you know, coming on and getting another degree. And I understand what you're saying if somebody ask or, or says, hey, I've, I've really learned enough or I need a break, you know, about every so many years, it's, it's probably good to put yourself back into education that's challenging you and directing you. One of the things I, I like to use my, my arms as an illustration, I'm right-handed, so I use my right arm just naturally, you know, more than I use my left arm. And so if I'm going to exercise, I probably need to do some left-handed exercises to strengthen my left hand and my left arm. There are some things that you're just naturally going to do. If you're, say, interested in student ministry, it may be kind of like your right hand is your student ministry. You're just going to do things. You're going to read things. You're going to attend conferences that strengthen something that's already strong. But what about those weaker areas? You know, maybe you're not that good at counseling, or maybe you don't really know theology that well. Maybe you do not know how to make disciples or do an expository sermon. Well, challenge yourself to get in maybe some other education and force yourself to work that weaker arm, you know, that weaker part of your ministry. Yeah, that's a great insight. I, I really didn't think about that. I love the arm illustration, just in, in, in trying to further your knowledge outside of kind of where your sweet spot is. On the flip side of that, Dr. Atterbury, for those that maybe have got further down in life, they've settled down, um, had families, have gotten older, they're kind of past that, you know, young stage of, of coming out of college and pursuing a bachelor's, what would you say to those guys who maybe feel like they're too late in life or too old to pursue higher education? Oh, that's another excellent question. You know, in seminary, I'm not sure the average age, but it's it's well above, say, 18, 19, 20 years old. At, at our school, it kind of changes. I know I've gone back to school. Uh, I went back to get my PhD. I was 45. Uh, when I think 44, 45, when I started that. At our school right now, we have folks that are in their 70s that are there just to learn and prepare, you know, to further their ministries, to even in their local churches. And I'm encouraging folks to come on. You definitely do not need to think at, at any age, I'm too old or I'm too young, because if you show up at, at least at the BMA seminary, there's going to be someone that's really close to your age and, and really close to your your position in life. And so that's a great question. I would still encourage folks to come on. I don't think you're going to feel out of place. Another part of that is the fact that at the seminary, everything we do is about God's word and God's work. Now, if you're going to go to a university, you know, just a a secular university, you've got folks with all kinds of different interests. But at the seminary, everything we do is focused on you know, the, the Lord and his word and his work. Everybody's into that. The younger, the older, the staff, we're all concerned and interested about that. And so we all have that in common, much more than we have age differences that keep us, you know, 
uncommon. Thank you, Dr. Adabar. I appreciate that answer. And I, I agree. I think really it doesn't matter where you're at in life, how how old you are. Um, you know, we, we constantly need to uh, recognize and realize that there's room for growth. So I appreciate that. And Zach, I won't take it personal that you were talking about old people because, you know, at 47 is when I started my uh, doctor of ministry <laughs> degree. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I'm going to be the oldest guy there. And nope. No, it is it is amazing. You'll find people at all different points and places in life as they want to focus in on God's word and God's work. I love that how Dr. Atterbury has described that. Well, Dr. Atterbury, um, another question that I'd have for you is that seminary, the BMA seminary, may not be for everybody who is listening. Uh, what is a good way to select your next step in education if you're wanting to pursue ministry? What are some things that we could do in that process? That, that's another good question. One is, let me encourage you to do what you can afford. And a school like the BMA is is one of the lower cost schools. We do that intentionally so that people can afford to come. You want to look for an accredited school, I think. Now, that I have concerns about the future, uh, with with government and so forth on accrediting, but right now some folks will say accreditors tell you what to what you must teach. That's not been the case. We're accredited by two people, uh, two entities. I'm sorry, the Association of Theological Schools, and then the Southern Association of Colleges and Schools. And those entities have never pressured us on what to teach. We get to do that. They're concerned about quality education, that you have qualified professors, that your your catalog gives information that's true and accurate. You don't do a bait and switch when people come to school. I would really encourage accreditation. Now, there are lots of folks, lots of schools accredited by somebody, but I'm talking about a recognized accreditor because there are non, basically we might call it non-accredited accreditors. But if you look at the Council for Higher Education on Accrediting, CHIA, is the initials of that. If there's an organization that's in their list of a, of recognized accreditors, then that's going to be a good school. Uh, you know, that's going to be an accredited school with a legitimate accreditation. So let me just encourage folks to do that. I would encourage you to think about what they're going to teach there that will prepare you for a long time of ministry. And I mentioned a minute ago about youth, for example, youth workers. You know, you may do that for a decade or more. You may have decades beyond youth ministry in which you serve. Are you going to be well-rounded and and have a broad-based education that prepares you to do more than just say youth ministry? Because some, some folks may say, well, I'm going to be a youth minister. I want to get a degree in youth ministry. And that would be fine. I, and if you really have a hunger for that, that'll be fine. But I would encourage, as far as like BMA seminary goes, to think about the fact that you can get a broad education. You're going to have Bible, you're going to have theological, historical studies, and depending on the degree you're in, hopefully you're going to get in one that's got uh, the ministry training where you can learn discipling. That is something that is unique about BMA seminary, and and most seminaries would agree with that. That we have an emphasis on making disciple makers that most seminaries just do not have, and yet the Great Commission is about making disciples. We were blessed just in February, we gained a reaffirmation of accreditation by the Association of Theological Schools for another 10 years. That's a big, big deal. And one of the things they did after a a thorough investigation of the seminary 
they said that we have a distinctive strength in our commitment to Scripture and the Great Commission. And I was very excited, you know, to hear them say that. And so that's that's a unique thing that we have. And I would encourage folks, uh, you know, to think about that. So accreditation and what are they teaching? I, I would say one other thing you, you really want is, is a school that teaches you expository preaching, how to study your Bible so that you can present a passage, you know, a sermon that's really accurately uh, presenting the message of that passage, not just its central point, but the, the points on, on how to get there. For example, expository preaching is defined often by just the central point of the, ser- the, of the passage is the central point of the sermon. Let's just say John 3.16. We c- could probably agree there's an emphasis upon the love of God, for God so loved the world. And so if we preached a sermon on God loves the world, we might go over to the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said, you know, the Father demonstrates his love for the just and the unjust. He causes the sun to rise on both. He causes rain to fall on both. Well, that's talking about the love of God. But if we go back to John 3, 16, there's some details there that we've missed if we do not say God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So I could talk about the love of God without talking about he gave his only begotten son and that whoever believes in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. So I could maybe get the main content, the main point of a passage. But what I'm talking about is get the main point of the passage and get the sub points with it as well. And there are still not a lot of seminaries that are doing that good a job of that. And I'm hoping that BMA Seminary does a good job of it. What I appreciate about that is that whether you are a part-time bivocational volunteer or you're full-time and you feel God's calling your life to be a preacher, as as we describe it, that's one of the things that the seminary is teaching and, and people are able to learn from them. Um, you want to be able to present a passage in the most biblical manner that you can, especially to your students. You want them to understand what God's Word says so that they can take it and apply it to their lives and to share it with others. And so I'm just so thankful for that. Well, Dr. Atterbury, let me ask you just a couple more questions. One is if somebody is interested in continuing education, say, and they're thinking, all right, I don't have a college degree or I took a few college classes, um, what would be some steps that they might take or be able to take without necessarily moving to Jacksonville, Texas, because Jacksonville, Texas is, well, <laughs> it's in, I don't want to say the middle of nowhere, but it's 30 miles south of Tyler. I mean, so it's, it, it's not an easy place to get to unless you know where you're going. Fair enough. <laughs> well, let me say a couple <laughs> of things. Uh, one, one is we have actually, we, you know, we've spoken about master's degrees mostly uh, tonight, but we also have at the BMA Seminary an associate degree program. And that would fit very well for someone, like you said, who's maybe had no college experience or maybe a little bit. And so they could earn an associate degree. And most of what we do is available online. Uh, You can do just about everything we we require for a degree online. We are actually have been have been sort of a cutting edge school on that. We've been doing distance education longer than quite a few schools. And so we're we're pretty skilled at that. And we've had graduates from other countries 
who earned our degrees by doing those uh, 100% online. So some of that could be done. And so you would not necessarily have to, to find your way to Jacksonville, though we'd love for you to be there. We have online classes. We do have on-campus classes. We're hoping to have those in the fall. We're planning to do that. Even with COVID, we're thinking we're going to be able to do that. Uh, but then you can take courses with us just uh, in the summers, uh, sometimes in the winters for you know a few days, come and spend time with us. We do have a free class we offer every fall and every spring that literally is free. You sign up for it, and it's a good way to get started, and you're going to learn something, but it also gives you exposure to our online learning format. You you learn our system, and you get an idea of, okay, here's here's how they grade. Here are the type assignments, and it's there's no risk in it in, in that you're not, you're not paying, you know, for it, but it gives you an opportunity to learn something and then learn about what we're, we're doing, how we do that. So I would really encourage that. And if somebody is thinking, well, I, I really would like to get a bachelor's degree. Well, you could attend Central Baptist College and, and get the associate degree and, and then transfer to us or go ahead and finish that bachelor's there at CBC and then come in with the master's degree. Uh, with us, but I'd be glad to help anyone who, who has questions about what, where am I? You know, where's my academic status? Uh, what would I need to do to complete a degree? That's part of what I do. I look at transcripts and I answer questions about that. And I can usually be pretty specific about, well, here's where you are and here's what it would take to get you to this point or that point. And I'll say, I've been so appreciative of Dr. Atterbury's help over the years. Um, I am enrolled and I'm taking classes at Midwestern working on my doctor in ministry, but it was many years in the coming. I kept uh, sending me messages. All right, what do I need to do if I want to come back and get my master of divinity? I graduated with the 60 hour master of arts and religion, but what do I have to do? And he would always, he was so kind and so helpful. I just want to say thank you for that. Uh, you know, students and student ministry workers, as they're looking at that next stage of education, I want to ask you this, if you had two or three things to say to those guys or girls that are serving and that want to make the most impact, what what would be those words of encouragement that you would give them to say, hey, continue your education? Well, that is a great question or opportunity. I sure do like Ezra, uh, the seventh chapter, the 10th verse, where Ezra set his heart, he positioned himself. To, to seek the law of the Lord or to study so that he could do the law of the Lord and then so that he could teach it. And I think that that's really a discipling strategy that you see there. So to follow Ezra's example, you know, position yourself where you can learn so you can do the word and so that you can teach others with it. And keep, keep this in mind, I, I think, that when you were born— you did not know how to, to study your Bible. You did not know, or I did not. Let me let me refer it to myself that way. When I was born, I did not know how to study my Bible. And when I was born, I did not know how to make disciples or share the gospel. When I was born again, I did not know automatically how to do those things either. And putting yourself in a position where you can learn, you know, it's not a question of your salvation. It's not a question of the Holy Spirit working in your life. When, when I was thinking about coming to seminary, someone told me, said, you don't need to go to seminary. All you need is your Bible and the Holy Spirit. And I, I cannot argue that, and I don't want to argue uh, against that at all. But for me, I thought about 2 Timothy 2.15, inspired by the Holy Spirit, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, 
rightly dividing the word of truth. I got to be honest with you, there were many sermons I preached as a pastor before I came to seminary, and I was pretty certain I knew what that meant. But I knew if someone challenged me, I wasn't exactly sure what I would say, you know, about why I I preached that. Not that I am 100% confident of everything I do now, but I have much more confidence that I've learned a method to study. I mean, there are reasons why I'm going to say this is what this passage says. It's not just my own thoughts, me thinking that's what it says, but I've got good reasons for it. And I'd maybe say this last thing about a, a degree. When I went to seminary as a pers- prospective student, I, I did not want to get a degree for you know, personal reasons uh, to make me look good or something like that in, in, a, in a braggadocious way. But I have learned that when you get a degree, it, it says some things about you. One is it tells people that you have studied, you know, that you have studied a, a, a curriculum and you've been directed to do that. It, it tells a search committee that at a local church, you know, this, this guy has been faithful here to, to study and he's able to finish something that he started even though he likely had challenges along the way. I mean, everyone's going to have things that happen while they're studying, but it demonstrates that you're able to persevere even under challenges, and that tells folks a lot. And then it says that you are able to submit yourself to the authority of other people. And I think like when you're looking for a a ministry and, and a search committee, and they know that you've earned a degree, those are some things that may come to their mind. This guy's able to earn a degree. He's willing to submit to the authority of his professors. Then, then maybe he'll listen to us, not be some kind of a, you know, a rebel demanding his own way kind of thing. So I, I think there's a good value in earning a degree. When I got my MDiv, I had no intentions and no realization that a few months later I would be teaching at a college. But when I became ABS director at Tyler Junior College, they had a Bible department, actually, and I had the academic credentials. To be on a professor on a college campus, that helped me with, of course, the seminary education, but it gave me a great opportunity you know, to be right there on the campus, go to faculty meetings, do things you know, for the president of the, uh, the college at times. He'd have me come pray and things like that. So all of that can just be a benefit, a blessing to you to have a seminary education. What is great is it sounds like it opened up some doors, and that's what I see education do so many, many times. Well, Zach, um, do you have any other questions for Dr. Atterbury tonight? Well, I'm typically the one that likes to bring a little humor into the conversation. So, Dr. Atterbury, does BMATS have a mascot? That is a good question. You know, we're going to be uh, having a, <laughs> you know, a poll on that. And I'm, I'm going to take yours, your suggestion and put it down as the, the first one for folks to vote on. So what, what you got? Well, I'm an LSU Tiger fan, but I don't think that would go well in Texas no, or no. in Arkansas. <laughs> so I, I'm pretty sure you're right of that. No, knowing the Dean, that, that probably wouldn't, uh, <laughs> wouldn't get on the list. As an LSU fan and a Mississippi boy, I, I'll just refrain from suggesting anything. You know, he, Zach is right. I have wondered, okay. Is there any sort? Because I like I like to wear the places I've been: Central Baptist College, BMATS. I like swag, you know. I like to. I've got a sweatshirt that I've just about worn out, and I've only been going to Midwestern for, 
you know, for this past year. And I just wear it almost as long as I can. Now it's too hot, but you know, we need, we need a, a mascot, but man, I can't think of one. So we'll, we'll come up with suggestions. In fact, if you have suggestions, listeners, send those to info at studentministrymatters.com. <laughs> we'll send them on to Dr. Atterbury. Y'all, y'all take notes. That'd be great. Dan said swag. I did say swag. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, Dr. Atterbury, if somebody wants to get in touch with you or in touch with the seminary and find out more about that, uh, what is the best way for them to do that? Yeah, that's a great question too. There's there's a couple of email addresses. Uh, bmats at bmats.edu would be uh, go be a good one to use. Bmats at bmats might be the simplest one, or recruiting at bmats.edu. So recruiting at bmats.edu. So either one of those should should be a great place to start. And I would encourage you to check out their website, bmats or bmats uh, dot edu. Find out more about the seminary, and if you have questions, be sure to shoot them, uh, shoot those questions to them. They want to find out who you are, and they want to be able to to reach out and continue help you continue that education, or just simply reach out to Doctor Atterbury, and he can help you evaluate what those next steps would be. You know, continuing education is a part of something that we all in student ministry, in any aspect of ministry, need to consider. I think there's a real power in continuing education for those of us who are in student ministry who often think, well, we've got enough. Um, But there's so much more. And what I loved what Dr. Atterbury said was preparing for the long haul of ministry. And I think that's one of the things that uh, our seminary, the BMA seminary, did for me was with a long haul of ministry. And so I would just encourage you to do that. We do all of these things. Why? Well, we do them because student ministry matters. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.